I'm Erin Washington, and I'm the author of Squats and Margaritas, A Journey to Finding Balance, talking about lifting heavy and eating more often. You're a blogger too, right? And a podcaster and a mom. Yeah. (laughs) I wear many hats. Talking today with Erin Washington, author and so much more, but author of Squats and Margaritas. You have a very relatable story to tell, certainly. What made you decide to tell your story in book form? I wasn't ready to. (laughs) I was kind of pushed into it. Yeah. I was never going to tell my story. I'm just going to help women found this new way to get in your best shape after all the years where I only did cardio and lived with restriction. I'll just give women this guide to show them how I finally got in the best shape. I was never going to share my struggle. And I hired a writing coach and I would send her everything I was writing. And she's, this is great, but are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? And I was like, no, I just figured out a way. And she's like, you have abs on the cover of your book. Like, why would anybody trust what you're saying? Like, what if you were always in shape? And she's like, you have to tell your story. You're not going to have any credibility. No one will be able to relate to you. You know, you look like this fitness person. And I kept saying, oh, no, 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 you know, and she pushed me. And I finally just sat down one day and I wrote it. And I wrote all about how I struggled with body image and self-worth for 20 years. And I abused my body with bulimia and anorexia and nobody knew. I had to sit down with my family and say, you know, I'm writing a book. You're going to learn a lot about me. I mean, they knew what I was struggling, but nobody knew how bad because it's such a shameful secret. Like you don't want anyone to know what you're doing. And I wasn't going to tell anyone. And that writing post, as soon as I wrote it, Pat, like nobody had read it yet. I felt lighter. I felt like it was out. Yeah. And now it's like I share everything because once you share the big thing, which for me was my eating disorders, nothing else seems as heavy. And so now I just, I talk about it all. And that's actually what pushed me to share my story. I was prom queen. I was homecoming queen. I was captain of the soccer team. I didn't want to like let people down and let them know what I was really dealing with. And I felt like it would be letting them down. Like I had this perfect reputation to live up to. And once I stopped abusing my body, like I was like, oh, I'm glad I stopped doing that. Nobody found out about that. So I could have just kept it secret. But for that woman that is still in it, and for me, like I felt like I will never be able to stop doing that. I didn't go to treatment, and that was because of the shame. If I went to treatment, then people would know. And so if there's someone right now thinking that this is the rest of their life, it isn't. Um, There's more, and you can come out of it, and here is how I did that. How did the title come to you? That's a great, it's a great title. Did it come to you in the shower over a cocktail? (laughs) I was sitting at my, at my living room table at our old house. And I had an Instagram page that was like my daughter's little fashion. She was two and I would just like dress her up. I was was like, (laughs) I should do something with what I figured out and how I live now. And I was like, before it was all just restriction and cardio. And now it's squats and margaritas. And I like ran to Instagram to see if anybody had it. And then I, I got the website and it's truly balanced. Squats and margaritas is a balanced lifestyle. It's like having the thing that you want to have every day. For me, that's a margarita. I don't deprive myself anymore and I still work out. I go hard in the gym, but maybe three days a week, not seven. I'm not stressed out anymore. I enjoy life. And now with squats and margaritas, I've been able to find my best body. I'm 40 now. And after having my two kids where like in my 20s and 30s, when I had all the time in the world to go to the gym seven days a week, I was 20 pounds heavier. That's thinking like, well, now I don't have time to go to the gym. Like it's about my kids now. Don't give yourself that excuse. Like you can find time. I, I share it in my book how I did it. 
and you matter too. And when you're in your best physical body, I feel like you feel better. So you're a better spouse, a better mom, a better coworker. Everything in your life is better when you're happy with yourself. And I wasn't for so long. Would you say that you're stronger now also than you were when you were younger and when you were into soccer or is it a different kind of strength or how would you describe your body yeah. now? You said you were leaner. I'm strong. Yeah. Mm. Muscle leans you out. And I think so many women Pat, are just like, they're scared. They're intimidated by the weights. Either they feel like they don't know how to do it or they feel like they're going to bulk up. So I just did cardio for 20 years. Mm. And I thought that's what women were supposed to do. Get on a cardio machine, sweat, calories in versus calories out. I'm just burning it off. My body changed when I started lifting and lifting heavier and you get there gradually. You won't bulk up. You're going to tone. And now I have like lean muscle. I can eat basically whatever I want now because I'm constantly hungry. I turn back on my metabolism by lifting heavy. I'm definitely stronger. I know that I'm faster because I ran a faster mile in my fitness class where they time us than I did as a division one athlete playing soccer. Crazy. Like you're not too old. It's not too late. You can change your life at any point. Don't think that even if you were an athlete when you were in high school, college, you can do that now. And it's just being smart, like not overworking your body. I'm not in the gym seven days a week. And before you couldn't pay me to take a day off. I was always stressing like if we were on vacation, does the hotel have a gym? I would oh. pull up menus before I went to restaurants to make sure they had like a salad or something that I would eat. And again, I was 20 pounds heavier living in this life of deprivation and restriction and stress. I love weights, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to get injured. Isn't that crazy? And I I haven't. No. I'm, I'm, how do you lift weights successfully and safely? I guess I had the background in it because I was a Division One athlete. We had yeah. like a strength program. Mm -hmm. Like I've been lifting all my life. But once I got out of sport, it was like, you don't see that. You don't hear that message. Women just think that they're supposed to do their cardio. And I would look around the gym and the women with the best bodies are in the weight room and they're not sweating on the cardio machine. So I kind of just like found myself gravitating towards those women, the, the bodies that I wanted and they were lifting and I would do what they did. And I, you start with whatever you're comfortable with. Maybe just go up to a trainer at a gym and just kind of ask them to help you out. Mm -hmm. I Now I do a lot of squats. I do bench press and bicep curls. You can start with body weight stuff if you're afraid of lifting too heavy. You can do just like air squats or jump squats. You can do push-ups and sit-ups. Like There's stuff that you can do at home that's more of a focus on building your body, not so much what I thought you were supposed to do, which was sweat. It was almost like I thought sweating was like fat melting off me and I if I lifted I didn't really sweat so I didn't feel like I did anything you are setting yourself up lifting for way more success like the next day you're still going to be burning calories because you have soaked your metabolism by putting that muscle weight on and yeah, I was yeah. always concerned about muscle weighing a lot and mm. looking bulky and it didn't happen I finally have muscle tone now that I'm lifting heavier and again start gradually but once you get to a point where tens are feeling like comfortable challenge yourself go to the 12s then go to mm. the 15s and then that's when you're going to start seeing you're going to be hungry because your metabolism is going to yeah. go faster and you may not drop pounds on the scale but that's not what it is about your body is going to be smaller and more compact regardless of what it weighs how many reps do you do and and how do you organize that trainers that i've had on my podcast say you have like leg day and then arm day so yeah, you can yeah. lift really heavy on your legs and then the next day, let them rest and you can work on your arms. I do, like, I'll do three sets of 12, say, squats, and then I'll do three sets of tricep dips. So 
I like to hit two different areas at once. Also, I'm a mom and I don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. <laughs> to do like yeah. a leg day sure. and an arm day. So I'll, I'll do three rounds of three separate exercises. I would do like, say, a bench press, a squat and tricep dip and that I'll do three sets of 12 of each of those and then once you're doing that for a few weeks and it starts not to feel easy but what it starts to feel your muscles have kind of become accustomed to it you want to go up and challenge it a little bit more by either doing a couple more reps or a little bit heavier weight now I'm lifting so much heavier because I'm challenging myself and not staying where I was comfortable and I'm finally seeing that muscle tone in my body that I was trying so hard to achieve with like the lighter weights and more reps. I didn't have any tone until I started lifting heavier weights. That's so interesting. Do you do it to music? How much do you listen to your body? Put on like a Hulu show or something that I can't watch when my kids are around. Like when I'm Uh. something that I'm like, I watched The Bachelor this morning while I lifted. (laughs) And so I'm not like really focused on how hard it is. Like you just watch something that you like. Walking on an incline, if you have a treadmill, that will build muscles in your legs. And it doesn't even require any weight. Sometimes you're in the zone and you're so 10, 11, 12, and you're you're not listening to what your body is telling you. Like, maybe you should just stop right now. If something hurts, you should stop. But if if you're tired, like if your muscles are tired, you want to try to push through for a couple more. Like, you have to realize, is it hurting? Is there pain? Or are you tired? Are your muscles tired? If you are feeling pain, you have to stop. And I learned that the hard way. I was on a 10-mile run trying to train for a marathon, and I wanted to finish the run so badly, I felt this pain in my Achilles. And I was like, no, I want it. This is my day that finished 10 miles, and I finished the run. The next day, I couldn't walk, and then I ended up in a walking boot. So if you feel pain, don't do one other rep. You have to stop. If you're tired, like if you feel like you're doing bicep curls and you're you don't feel pain, but it's just you're tired, you want to stop, that's when I'll push through that for like two more reps because those extra reps are what's going to change you. Because if your body's used to doing 12 and you knock out 14, that's when your muscles are going to grow because they're not used to that. But if it's a pain, it's not just your muscles are feeling tired. You have to listen to your body. No matter how much you want to finish those reps or finish your workout, I get it. You have to stop because then you're going to end up not being able to work out at all because you've hurt yourself. Right, right. Eating disorders. Where did those first surface for you? Was it during your soccer days? Yes, it was. In high school, so I got my period late sophomore year when everybody else's bodies were changing earlier. Mine started changing and I started gaining weight at 15, almost 16. So mm-hmm. I came in super skinny as a mm-hmm. freshman. I was starting on varsity and then wow. sophomore year I gained all this weight because my body changed. And I was like, I got to do something about this because I always equated thin as being like good for soccer, like yes. fit. Mm-hmm. So when I was gaining weight, I was like, well, this is not going to work. And I drastically reduced my calories to a point where I remember I wouldn't eat carrots. It turned into exercise bulimia oh. when a coach made yeah. a comment about my crosses not being strong because I had lost weight. So I would eat and then I would go on a cardio machine and work out the same amount of calories that I consumed as if that is how it worked. I thought in my mind I was just canceling it out and I dealt with exercise bulimia. But the the one that I struggled with the worst and for the longest was bulimia and that surfaced in college. And a lot of eating disorders, I've done research that if you have a change in identity or a loss of identity, for me, it was when I was done playing soccer. For anybody else, it could be the loss of a spouse, like a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's when an eating disorder can kind of creep in because it's something that you could control when your life kind of feels out of control. And when I didn't have soccer anymore, I kind of just lost who I was. It was such a part of my identity. 
it. I kind of fell into depression. And I think I initially started throwing up my food to, as a way to lose weight. Like if I thought like I ate too much, but it became just this addictive thing, the binge and purge cycle. It was like all I thought about all day long when oh. I could do it again. And it's so dangerous and it hurts your body so much physically, but it's just like a mental thing that you cannot, I couldn't think of anything else. And I think a lot of people think eating disorder, like you'd be super skinny. So nobody assumed that I had an eating disorder. They could tell something was off, but mm. no one was thinking eating disorder because I wasn't thin. Mm. Bulimia just throws off all your hormones. That's when it definitely hit the hardest for me with bulimia uh, was when I stopped playing college soccer. Did you ever go for any help? I didn't. And the only reason I knew I needed help, there was a time where I was walking to a convenience store to get like all the things that I could binge and purge. And I had this moment like, what are you doing? It's a snowstorm and you're out here. You need to get help. Like I knew I needed to. And the only reason I didn't was the shame of it. I said like, I felt like I had this reputation to live up to as like homecoming queen, prom queen. I didn't Mm -hmm. want anybody to know. And if I got help, then everyone would know. I actually like, I stopped doing it on my own, but I still have the noise. And I feel like had I gone to an eating disorder therapist or like a counselor or something and got treatment that maybe the mental side of it would be gone. I say on my podcast, it still is about striving to meet this like physical ideal for me. And I know that it shouldn't be. So I am working through that. But now I am in the best shape of my life by honoring my hunger and by not over-exercising and not abusing my body anymore. So I haven't defined my physical ideal by listening to my body and taking care of it. Whereas before, when I was just chasing this physical ideal, which used to be thin, now it's strong, but it used to be thin, I never found it. And I was working so hard and abusing my body, like thinking like, I'm just not going to eat. And now I found it taking care of myself. So that was like my message with the book to the woman who is on the treadmill seven days a week, only eating salads, not letting yourself snack and living your life hungry. There is a different way. And it's a balanced lifestyle of having the thing you want to have, taking care of your body, but not overworking it seven days a week and getting rid of that stress. Now I'm happy and my body just kind of went to a set point where it's supposed to be. And I've been able to maintain it through two pregnancies and I'm 40 now. And mm. I want to share this message to the me like in my 20s who's yeah. on that treadmill still and starving. You don't have to yeah. do that. It took me 20 years to get here to figure it out. Being intuitive and just checking in, like, am I hungry? Eat. Before I would just be like, I'm hungry, but it's not a meal time yet. I, I'm going to wait till lunch and save my calories. Just eat when your body is telling you that you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. Don't stop when the meal is gone. Right now, I'll, I'll get whatever I want on the menu, truly, like fish mm-hmm. tacos. Mm-hmm. And I, if that's on the menu, I'm having it. It's my favorite. And I get them exactly how they're prepared with everything on top. And maybe I'll eat one and I'll check in. And if I'm good, I stop eating. I'll take the rest home. Before, I would say fish tacos, but no cheese and sour yeah. cream on the side. And I would eat all of them because I would finish my plate because I, you know, I didn't have the cheese and sour cream. It wasn't even the meal that I enjoyed because I <laughs> took everything off. Yeah. I ate more than I do now. But now I I don't feel deprived because I got fish tacos exactly as they're prepared. And I ate one. Sometimes if I'm still hungry, I'll eat two, not four. And that has worked for me. I can do it because I'm not deprived and I'll have it with a margarita. That was another thing. Like I would always, I wouldn't drink all week because, you know, I'm going to eat really clean and not drink. I'll just drink on the weekend. And that would turn into weekend of so much drinking, like over drinking. And a a glass of wine would turn into a bottle of wine because it was my drinking day. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be available to me during the week. So I have to drink it all or eat it all now. 
and living that way just it's just a cycle of you did pretty good during the week and then you are hung over on Monday because it was your drinking night. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. If you just live with balance, you allow yourself a glass of wine or whatever you want during the week, one, maybe two, and you don't over drink, it makes it less tempting. I don't feel like I need, I can have a glass, I mean, a bottle of wine open in my fridge and not feel like, oh, I have to finish it because on Monday I can't drink. Was your life hurt by dating professional athletes you you dated I mean that sort of throws a boomerang into things doesn't it I mean it it can make it difficult yeah it really made it difficult and now it's just like I'm so much more self-aware now like I didn't have the self-worth so I feel like I gravitated towards those relationships because it was I had work look who I'm dating and look how important he is that's how I validated myself and now I love who I am So I don't need a relationship to validate myself. But before it was all about validating like, oh, well, I'm dating him or I'm sure yet my husband is a retired Pro Bowl linebacker in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I sure now I can say that that the initial gravitation towards him was that because I was 24. We've been together 16 years and I was feeling like I didn't have any self-worth. So if I'm dating him and everybody knew who my boyfriend, his boyfriend at the time was, then I was important. It made me feel important. And it it makes me feel sad for that girl. Like, I don't even, I can't even, like, relate to her anymore. Like, I just, I feel sad for her. And anybody that's feeling like they need a relationship to validate themselves, it turned into, like, because I didn't have self-worth, I was always, like, on these message boards making sure his name wasn't popping up and he wasn't cheating on me. And I have this obsessive personality. And honestly, Pat, I feel like that's how I stopped with the eating disorders. My obsession with food kind of took a left into an obsession with my relationships. And my eating disorder kind of fell away. But then I became this crazy lady that was always like trying to catch him. And he was like, I am with you. I'm not doing anything. But like, I just didn't have the self-worth. And I thought he was always going to be like looking for something better because I didn't see it in myself. So I hear what you're saying. But isn't that like a real that is a real broad societal thing. Like a lot of women are gravitate toward men who have a lot of money. What does that say about me? He could have anybody and he, he's with yes. me or a Harvard graduate. A, he's so brilliant. And yet, look who he's with me. So it can be looked at in, in several ways with you. It was an athlete. So but I, I hear yeah, what you're he was saying. So, yeah, he was famous. I didn't yeah. feel like worthy enough. But it's like, oh, guess who my boyfriend is? Like, see, I'm important. It's so sad because <laughs> I, I finally found self-love later in life and I just, I have a six-year-old daughter and I, to think of her in any of the scenarios that I went through, like, it's not going to happen. My mission in life is for her to just see her value and her worth and not ever struggle like I did. Also, don't you think it's uh, immaturity in some ways, you know, not knowing yourself, but now you know yourself. Maybe it took you a little longer. (laughs) Now you know yourself and you value yourself. Finally. And I, you think about like social media and the world that you grew up, like everything was thin and skinny and that's like the magazines, like yeah. my daughter will have social media her whole life. And I think about that and the things that are put out that are so filtered. And I say this in my book, I sat behind, I will never say who it was, but I sat behind a celebrity on a plane once and I watched her take a photo that she was about to post on Instagram and she had this app and she would zoom in and she was taking like an inch off her thigh and an inch <gasps> off her arm. And I'm like, there is a little girl, a 12, 13 year old girl out there thinking, oh my gosh, 
look at this. I got, I can't eat. I got to look like this. Look how beautiful. That's not what she looks like. That was filtered and cut down. And I watched her do it. And we are putting out these images that aren't even real. And there are girls like trying to achieve this standard that is not real. And I feel like there's a movement shifted towards that now where people are showing unedited pictures. This is the real picture. Or if you stand a certain way, you look 10 pounds thinner. And here's me two seconds later standing this way. And this is my same body. If we could share more of that, it would just help so much of the girl that was struggling, like that was me, you know, in high school and college trying to live up to a standard that isn't even real. I have to ask in closing, how many squats are you up to at a time? <laughs> so I just did this fitness challenge where you had to do 150 squats a day. I would do 30 <laughs> squats five different times. So now I do like a goblet squat. Like I hold a 40-pound dumbbell in both of my hands, and I'll do, I try to do like 15, three sets of that. But not in a row. I'll take a break. So I do like 45 squats, but I don't do it every day. A couple times a week. Lift heavy, but don't, I'm mean, gradually, I'm not a trainer. That's my mm. disclaimer. Build up to lifting heavier than you are now, mm. and your body will change. You'll finally see that change that you're trying to achieve with the lighter weight when you start lifting a little bit heavier. Lift heavier than you are now, and your body will change. And women are not taught that. They're- How low do you go when you squat? Sit like you're sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. So you're never like going over your knees because that's when you can start having problems in your joints. I'm 40 now. I'm feeling it a little bit differently. Sit like you're sitting back in a chair, not super, super low. If you do 50 body weight squats like that, you're going to feel that in your quads the next day. And you didn't use any weight. I have a 40 pound, no, almost 50 pound, three and a half year old right now. Put him on your back. Oh yeah. Like move the weights around you, (laughs) right? (laughs) If they're home with you, pick them up. And my son loves that because he's got my undivided attention and I'm sneaking in a workout, everybody wins. Now, what ki- <laughs> what kind of margarita are you having today? Ooh, so I have the best skinny margarita recipe. It's in my book, but I'll give it to you. You just get like a high-end premium Blanco tequila, like a clear tequila. And a premium tequila is just going to be less processed. And then you would need a light lemonade or a sugar-free. I use Minute Maid, but they have zero sugar. They mm-hmm. rebranded it. And then uh, lime LaCroix sparkling water. So you just remember 251. It's a okay. two-second pour of tequila, a five-second pour of the lemonade, and then one little splash of lime LaCroix on top. And it's got a little bit of carbonation to it. It tastes delicious, and your mixer is 10 calories. You've thought of <laughs> so everything. Good. You've thought of everything. I've That's done the great. work for you. Well, this has been just a delight. And you know what? You, you're you so upbeat and optimistic. I, I struggled for long enough. Like, it's like, life is short. Like, enjoy your life. Don't live with restriction and deprivation. I have a quote on my Instagram that's like, I'm not, it's not mine. I stole it from somewhere. But it's so true. Like, don't miss 95% of your life to be 5% thinner. You're working so hard for these like one or two pounds and you're missing your life. You're sad. Just enjoy your life and live with balance. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. 